If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. And now for our feature presentation. If there's anything we've ever done that I'm particularly proud of, I would have to say that the uh, perpetuation of the greatness of the Raiders to take a professional football team and give it a distinct characteristic that's different from all others. The greatness of the Raiders. Some may scoff, but what other pro sports team is instantly identified with a song like this one? I had a dream that someday I would build the finest organization in professional sports. There's a commitment to excellence, the greatest players. The flame that would burn brightest here is the will to win. Just win. Play hard. Try not to make mistakes. But don't worry about mistakes because there's only one thing that counts. Just win. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization. And you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Welcome to another edition of Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo. This is the sixth installment of the show, and it is uh, just about a week headed into the draft. Uh, we're right before it. So it's kind of like everything that's happening is, is a bunch of lies, misdirections, and misconceptions. On today's show, we're going to talk to you about the Raiders' schedule. We'll talk to you about... Is the pressure really on David Carr? Is the pressure really on Derek Carr? Or is it that the Raiders are giving them no excuses? We're also going to talk to you about the draft, of course. Uh, will the Raiders pass on a pass rusher early on? And most importantly, we'll get to it right now, Q. Let's talk about the story that is probably the biggest story of the day, really in the NFL. And that is the Raiders, it seems, have pretty much told all the scouting department that they need to bounce and go home because there's a leak in the system and they don't know exactly who it is that's leaking information, but they're not happy about it. And now the only people that it's in the know, according to Tom Pilasar from the NFL Network, Tom says it's Coach Gruden, Mike Mayotte, Trent Scott, Tom Delaney, and Danny Vantrell. So, Q, I know where I stand with this, and, and I think I made it clear. I don't see any problem with this. But for me, the Raiders, those scouts, the Raiders scouts did their job. They gave them all the information. They gave, at this point, boards have been set unless something really outrageous happens. The backgrounds are done. The injury history is done. The performances evaluation is done. The personal evaluation is done. There's really no need for the scouts to see a big board at this point, especially when a lot of those scouts won't be retained by the Raiders. So they say, you know what, go home, enjoy the holiday, and we'll talk to you, you know, at or around the draft. We're going to be the ones making the decisions. This is our job. You know, we're the, we're the decision makers. I don't see a problem with the Q. What do you think? 
I, I'm okay with it. I am just fine with it. I have absolutely no problem. I'm just like you. I have no problem with the fact that they sent the scouts home. Don't expect them back. Like you mentioned, a lot of them will not be retained, and I'm okay with that. And if you look at the history of the draft with the Raiders, especially last year, almost every pick was already known well before the draft. I mean, there was a lot of picks that were known, and a lot of guys that they were really high on was public knowledge well before the draft ever kicked in and look we've said it before on this podcast it's been said uh, nationally multiple times this is the most important draft in the history of the Oakland Raiders I mean it just is this draft you get it right you're back in the game you're cooking with grease if you get it wrong you're in trouble you're absolutely in trouble and you're setting your team back so far and let me say and let me point out this simple fact the fact that we all as the public the general public know that the scouts were sent home and know that they're not returning until after the draft if they return then is the exact reason why they sent the scouts home because somebody had to tell them that somebody had to tell Ian Rappaport that before he put that tweet out he didn't just know it because he was in the building and he saw them or witnessed them all send him home somebody said hey Ian this is what happened and Ian put it out on Twitter that's exactly why they did that because well somebody is a direct line to Ian someone is a direct line to Adam Schefter someone is a direct line to all these cats and that's not what they want especially with this draft being as important as it is like you mentioned a lot of these guys will not be retained a lot of these cats were still uh remains from the old regime and look Mayock's gonna bring in his guys Gruden has some of his guys but they're all gonna they're all gonna uh you know change change hands change jobs do a whole lot of different things after the draft and like you mentioned all their job is already done the board is set they're not changing it unless all of a sudden someone gets in some trouble overnight or, you know, gets in trouble hanging out late, late night or something stupid. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's a major red flag. But besides that, everything is already set. So, no, I have absolutely no problem. And, again, the fact that we know this and are talking about it is the exact reason why they did it. That's the reason why I'm not upset about it. Like, the fact that Ian put it out, and most people would think that Ian would know exactly what the Raiders going to do considering Mike Mayock worked at the NFL Network for over a decade, and all those guys know each other very well. Most people would assume that if there's going to be any information leaked to the NFL Network, it's going to be from Mike Mack. This shows that it's not. This shows that there are people in that building that are, you know, in a way doing their own thing and, and kind of going to the beat of their own drum, and that may have been a problem for years. I know there's other people on the Internet that are say, you know, and, and there's some guys that are, that are insiders, some guys that aren't, some guys that know a person here or there, some guys have shows and some guys don't. Whatever the case may be, those guys, some people, I know Victor Cotto said he, he thinks it's because of information he's gotten throughout the years. And, you know, I think that's interesting that he would say something like that, considering now you're putting yourself out there. Um, and he's got some very entertaining tweets. And so a lot of the stuff he says, you know, is correct, you know, and he gets way ahead of time. So you wonder who knows him in that building. Um, the very same breath, I also am curious as to why they would leak it now. Like, what is, what is the reasoning now that they're putting it out there that the Raiders aren't going to have their scouting department uh, in the building for the next week? Like, I honestly don't understand the reasoning behind it. Is it somebody that's just pissed off and disgruntled? Is it somebody – is it – a grudge or is it the way that they just maybe don't like Gruden and Mayock and are there? Cause let's, let's, let's be clear about this. Mike Mayock knows damn near every scout for every team 
during because of his job with the NFL Network during his tenure there. So I don't think that finding a scout or not knowing these guys became an issue. I think that they're trying to kind of smoke out a rat in the building, and that's something that if you're John Gruden, if you're Mike Mayock, if you're Mark Bedane, if you're Mark Davis, you don't want to have that type of person in your building because you don't need all your information for public match. We all knew they wanted McGlinchey last year at pick 10. We Everybody knew that. Everybody knew that that was their guy, and if it wasn't, it was going to be Colton Miller. Yep. And lo and behold, it was Colton Miller. And everybody knew they liked Mo Hurst. Everybody knew that, that there was certain guys at the Raiders. Like, this year, it's all over the place. They've done a pretty good job of, of sending some pretty good smoke screens. But at the end of the day, the general public doesn't need to know what the Raiders are doing. Raider Nation doesn't need to know what the Raiders are doing because that means the rest of the NFL knows, and they can, they can jump ahead of the Raiders and get a guy. They can make, teams can make different moves to, to really thwart the Raiders' advances towards somebody. So I think it's a good thing they did what they did, and hopefully they find out who this this rat is that leaked the information. And then literally, as a, a few hours later, Ian Rappaport said in a tweet that um, the scouts right now are on buses and planes getting ready to go home. So it, it was kind of crazy to me that that all this is happening a week, less than a week before the draft. I'm good with it. I, again, I, I'm totally good with it, and I think that they are trying to figure out who's the who's the guy in the building or the guys in the building that are letting information out. But also, I think that they, they don't need them at this point. They don't need them right now. They've already done their job. You mentioned it earlier. They've already done all the scouting. Look, I was up there talking to uh, uh, Raider coaches or Raider, Raider scouts over at uh, Baylor's Pro Day. You know what I mean? Like, they've already done their job. They've already done it, and they're going to turn the page. They're going to have other guys come in, uh, guys that they trust even more. Uh, another thing that they did already is the fact that they didn't allow NFL Network to even have any cameras in their war room. I mean, they're not taking this draft process lightly. They are not because, again, it is so important. What Raider Nation needs to realize is that the big draft that Reggie McKenzie had in 2014 that landed Khalil Mack, landed Derek Carr, landed Gabe Jackson, Latavius Murray, on and so on, so forth. The best draft that Reggie McKenzie ever had was 2014 with the Raiders. This draft that Mike Mayock and John Gruden are about to enter next week has to be that 2014 draft and then some. It's got to be better than 2014 just to get this team back on track. And if they blow this, they know how monumental of a screw-up that would be. They cannot mess this up. They're not allowing cameras in there. And that, again, is from NFL Network. Those are those are Mike Mayock's homeboys. That's their ace booms. I mean, that, those are the guys. You know, I mean, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, Ian Rappaport, you know, MJ Acosta, all them cats that are over at NFL Network, they are all – he's down with all of them. But this is business. This isn't – you know what I mean? At certain times when you tell your homeboys, yeah. like, hey, I can't come out today because I got to take care of business. I can't go do this. I got to hit the studio or I got to do this. I got I got to stay focused. You know uh, what they say about when, uh, when when Kobe was gonna get a divorce and he had to give up all that money? Well, Vanessa wasn't in the gym with him shooting all them jumpers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? This is they're in the gym shooting jumpers right now, and they're not needing any kind of distraction, and they don't need anyone else talking about their game right now. All they need to do is focus. So I don't care what they shut down. If they shut everything down, I'm perfectly fine with it, and I think they're making the right move. I couldn't agree more. I think at this point. You also have to look at um, look at the fact that because they're not letting them in the building, 
And because they're not giving them information, it just shows that maybe, just maybe, the Raiders are, and really Mike Matt's like, look, you guys are my guys, but I'm not on that side anymore. I don't have to draft for 31 teams in one round. I got to draft for one team in seven rounds. And my ass is on the line. And John Gruden last week kind of said, jokingly said it. He was like, hey, I gave you three-round picks. Don't mess it up. I, I took a bullet for this to happen. And essentially that's what he said. And at the, at the same time, the Mayock, Mayock knows the pressure's on him. Look, and I may sound like a complete asshole for saying this, but it's to me the, the, the God's honest truth. Fans want to know everything that's happening behind the scenes, but they can't handle knowing the truth of what actually happens behind the scenes because they'll blow a gasket because they can't fathom that things happen because it's not what they would do. And the reality is certain people are meant to do certain things. There are certain people that are meant to be general managers and presidents of football teams. Certain people are meant to be head coaches, players, reporters, insiders. And there are certain people that are meant to be fans. To me, and this is where I think Twitter, in a lot of ways, kind of ruined the NFL draft. And I know we're going way off the different, but tipping the picks. Yeah. Like hate it. Like hate it. I, I I have a hard time with that because, you know, I'll get a text from various people that are at the draft that are working there saying, "Here's the pick," you know, ahead of time, and then I'll put it out there. You know, you know, if I want to put it out there, sometimes I won't. The guys want, but when it comes to the, you know the teams that I'm vested in. I really don't want to know. I want to be surprised because I want to have that reaction. It never ends up that way. And it kind of ruins the draft. There are certain things through the process from the time that I know for me, the first, like I've watched the draft my entire life. But the first draft that I really, really remember uh, was the the 88 draft with um, Sterling Sharp and Tim Brown. Um, that was a draft to me that like, I, it was on my birthday. I stayed home and watched the entire draft. That was my – and then that night I went out with my mom to an amuse, to a, a major league baseball game the next day amusement park. But I sat back and I just kind of – like the shock and awe of the picks were, were, was so much to me. I thought it was the coolest thing. Every year I almost – it gets less and less. And with this situation, I'm glad the Raiders are shutting it down. Because to me it shows how serious they are. Exactly. And to me, it shows Gruden is like, look, we're we're not about to screw this up. Okay, this is this is something that that we know that's going to happen. And look, I guarantee, if the two guys the Raiders don't like are not there at pick four, they're going to trade back, and it's going to piss off a bunch of fans because the guy they want or they think they want because they've read this draft magazine or they've ordered this other draft mag publication online, or they've gone on NFLDraftScout.com and, and looked at their draft rankings, and they've watched the combine, and, and they've made their own big board on a piece of paper or in their, in their own little man cave or whatever, and they're like, this is what we need. We definitely – those guys are going to be pissed. And it, at the end of the day, you have to kind of sit back and just say, let the professionals do their jobs and just wait and see. Because you couldn't, you couldn't tell me that last year people were extremely over-the-top excited about Mo Hurst in the fifth round and what you gave up. And then when he played, it was like, oh, I see why many, many people consider him a first-round talent. 
but because of the heart condition, he fell, he fell back off draft boards, or fell down draft boards. But some people were like, I wouldn't want to take a guy with a heart condition because he could die on the field. That's a wasted pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, to oh, me, yeah. that, that's, that, that's, a, that's a double-edged sword. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I was comfortable with Mo Hurst in the fifth round. I was actually kind of excited about that just because I knew he was a, a first-round talent that dropped because of that exact heart condition that you're talking about. And, you know, his play on the field did show. You know, it showed that uh, he was he was worth the pick, obviously, in the fifth round, and he would have been worth the pick even higher. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, he had that condition he had to deal with. But, yeah, he ended up being a really good pick. Uh, I, I'll just say, man, you, you said mentioned about tipping the pick and all that stuff. I've been at the draft, and I'll be at the draft this year, four years in a row now, and standing right there in front of the stage when the pick is about to be announced and for my phone to go off and someone say oh man the Raiders just picked up this guy like if Philadelphia was my perfect example I had people hitting me up texting me like oh my god I can't believe you guys drafted Gary on Conley already and I'm like we're only on pick 22 it's not 24 yet. Oh, yeah, no, it's already been – it's already on Twitter that, that that's who they're picking, Gary on Conley. And, again, it goes back to whoever's in the building talking to people outside the building and putting it out there. That's exactly why the, the Raiders let everyone get out of there. There's no reason to let those cats stick around. There's no reason for it to be on pick 20, and you're already telling me who they're going to pick at 24. There's absolutely no reason for that, and, and, and you even mentioned it. That makes a team think about jumping up there. Oh, hey, that's who they're going to go take? That's the guy that they want? Okay, let's go make a move real quick and see if we can get that guy because that was our guy as well. So, I mean, it's, it's just the best thing to do. And, again, I'm, I'm with you. I'm going to trust Gruden. I'm going to trust Mayock to to pick the guys that they want. Uh, Mayock said something in his pre-draft press presser. He said he wants to get foundation guys. And that's something that we talked about on this podcast before foundational mm-hmm. football players, guys that you can build on. That's what a foundation is. If you want to know the definition of a foundation, it's something that is built on. You build houses on foundations. You build castles on foundations. Everything that is a structure has a foundation. And this team is trying to have structure. This team needs a foundation. So they need foundational players. That's what Mike Mayock is talking about. And that, with the plethora of picks that they have, and they probably will end up with more picks. Again, they're at eight right now. They probably will end up the draft with at least 10 that's what they're trying to do they're trying to get as much talent and I know that a lot of people say it's got to be an edge guy it's got to be this defense guy it's got to be this defense guy because well the Raiders defense is terrible they need talent across the board and the more talent they get the more foundational football players that they can put in that building the quicker they can build this thing up and make it last not a one-year wonder not a one one hit wonder not an overnight success but a long-term success, something that every Raider fan has been thirsty for for years. For me, Mike Mayock sounded at his press conference that the Raiders are more likely to trade back than trade up. No doubt. No for doubt. Me, for me, it also sounded like a trade back is probably more likely than anything. Yep. Unless two guys, and let's just say, I'm, I'll just say names, unless Joey Bosa or Quinnen Williams is on the board at four, I expect the Raiders to trade back. Nick Bosa. I do. Nick Bosa, excuse me. That's man. See, I'm all discombobulated right now. <laughs> it Nick happens. Bosa. It does. And, and you know, it, it, let's think if, if Bosa and Williams are on the board, one of those two guys will be the pick. Anybody else, I fully expect the Raiders to trade back because they do need more than just one or two pieces. I mean, at the end of the day, you'll have a team that may want to jump the Giants to get to a quarterback. Let's take it one step further. Let's say the Jets take Ed Oliver at the third pick, which I'm hearing is extremely likely. The Jets really think Ed Oliver 
fits their scheme better than any other D lineman in this draft because their coach, Coach Aaron Donald, and he and Ed Oliver is very similar in skill set to Aaron Donald, and he feels he's a better scheme fit. So they take him at three. That's going to leave Williams. So unless Bosa is taken at two, that could leave Bosa or Williams at four. Because from everything I've gathered, and I think Ben Albright tweeted out the same thing that I was told, which was Kyler Murray, number one. Yep. Nick Bosa, number two. Uh, Ed Oliver, number three. Williams, number four. And I believe it was Devin White, number five. Yep. That's pretty much, and, and I'll give you credit for that, Q. You've been on White to Tampa Bay for for quite some time. Me personally, if I'm the Raiders, and if, if Williams is there at four, you take him. If Bosa is there at four, you definitely take him. If neither one of them are at four, you definitely trade back. And I like Allen. I think Allen can be a, a dynamic edge rusher. But the Raiders aren't just one edge rusher away from competing for the AFC West title. Agreed. They're not just one edge rusher away from becoming a, a team to make a deep run in the playoffs. The Raiders are about five or six really, really good players away, and you can get three of them in the first round, lock them up for five years to go along with some of the guys like Conley who turned it around last year. You know, really the second half of the year had a really good year. Same thing with Carl Joseph. You look at, you look at if Colton Miller can turn the corner – now you got yourself a quality tackle, hopefully. Now you have foundation pieces. But the reality is, at this point in the game, the Raiders aren't one or two players away. There's a reason why they're picking fourth in the draft right now. They probably could have been higher if they didn't win a couple games they shouldn't have won. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Again, and I've said that so much. I've been telling everyone that the Raiders aren't just one guy away. They're multiple guys away. Again, and not trying to justify the Khalil Mack trade, but that's one reason why Khalil Mack was traded because it was going to take more than one dude. You know what I mean? It just it was going to take more than one dude to get this team over the hump. Again, they had a magical season in 2016. A lot of that was Derek Carr pulling out magic at the end of the, the games. And then a lot of that was Khalil Mack coming up with one big play here, one big play there to seal the deal. You know what I mean? But you can't live and die on the edge of your seat every single game, week in, week out, year in and year out. That's just not going to work. And we saw that results in 2017. We saw that results in 2018. Now in 2019, you want to see a foundational uh, a very set, a very strong team, a team, not a player, not two individual players, but you want to see a bunch of players. You want to see this team built. So I think teams are built from the inside out. That means the trenches, you get with the trenches first, and then you take care of the outside. I mean, it's just it's just what you do. So, you know, that's why Quinn Williams has been my dude. I think if you can get him and put him next to Mo Hurst, I think you have two foundational pieces. You know, I know P.J. Hall was drafted last year in the second round. I will give him time to grow. I'm not pro- I have no problem with that. You know, I mean, again, this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. This is not going to be, you know, the 50-yard dash. This is more like, uh, you know, the whatever the longest marathon is. You know, it's just it is what it is. It's it's going to be a process. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm totally with you on that. I do believe that they'll trade back. I think they'll trade back a couple times. I've said a few times that I think it's totally unnecessary to trade up there's just no reason for that because again you need dudes there's not one single player in this draft that's going to turn your team from four and 12 to 12 and four it's just not going to happen so you have to go in there and get as many dudes get as many real deal players i don't care what the what the position is i want to see competition at every position i think that's good for the guys i think it's great for the team to have that much talent you grab the talent you figure out how you play them later as long as they fit whatever scheme that you're thinking about or you're running then it's all good. Uh, you know, don't go and do something helter-skelter off the wall and, you know, like, what the hell was that? Something out of right field or whatever. But 
Besides that, man, just go out there and get all the talent you can get that you know that you can use in a certain way and make it happen. And you mentioned Ed Oliver to the Jets. I've seen that a lot. Uh, he was the guy that was remember he was supposed to be the first round draft pick after his uh, yep the so- number one overall pick yeah after his sophomore year everyone's talking about oh that's Ed Oliver he's going to go number one no doubt about it he had a down junior year got a little banged up had a had a run in with his coach on the sideline that was stupid and silly but the Duke ball and for people to come back on him and now just all of a sudden like him now because what he did at the combine in his pro day that was silly because all you had to do is flip on the tape and know the Duke could play and what I love about Ed Oliver and I do really like some very high qualities about him the one thing I like the most is he said I don't care where you want to play me I am a football player I will go play outside linebacker if I have to I'll rush from the edge I'll play the D tackle position whatever you want me to do whatever this defensive coordinator wants me to do I'll do because I am one hell of a football player that's the kind of mentality I like and that's another reason I like Quentin Williams that dude was an edge he used to be an edge at Alabama. A lot of people don't even know that. He was an edge that couldn't yeah. get on the field. And so he said, Coach, what do I got to do? I mean, any guy that will go to his coach and say, what do I got to do after being one of the best at his position in high school and then all of a sudden being on a big-time program in college and say, all right, Coach, what do I got to do to get on the field? Well, you got to gain some weight, but you still got to be explosive and still be a difference maker. All right, Coach, I got you. And then go and do it and now be in the position he's in, that's the kind of guy. That's the kind of character. That's the kind of – Dude, that will change a culture of a team that's not used to winning. That's what the Oakland Raiders need. So, yeah, th- that's a foundational piece, and that's why I've been on the Quinton Williams train since day one. I'll take it one step further. I know I say if it's not Bosa or Williams at four, or not Bosa or Williams, I'll throw Ed Oliver in that mix. If if it goes Murray, Bosa, Williams, I take Ed Oliver at four. I think you could play him. In a variety, at a three, you can play him at a five. You can play him at a seven if need be. He's just a different type of specimen. I think he's a guy that makes an impact immediately. And that's one of the things that I go back to when I, when I start looking at the draft. For so long, and I'll, go back, I'll, go, I'll use Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf as the example. Peyton Manning was the number one overall pick in the draft no matter when he came out. He was going to be that guy. And all of a sudden, Ryan Lee had a magical junior year at Washington State, went to a Rose Bowl and lost. But he became the new it guy. And all of a sudden, it was it's either Ryan Lee or Peyton Manning. And the body of works for three years said it was Peyton Manning. Everything about Peyton Manning said it was Peyton Manning. Well, Ryan Lee had one really, really good year. Yep, agreed. And up in, if you remember, up until the draft, Ryan, there was talk, is it going to be Leaf? Are we here? It's Leaf going to the Colts, and then Manning will go to the Chargers. At the end of the day, everything settled in, and what you thought was going to happen back when the season ended and guys declared for the draft actually happened. And it's no different now. You'll have some guys that slip, no doubt about it. For instance, I think Haskins could slip down to Cincinnati. At what is that, 11? 11, yeah. I think I, I think if the Giants don't take him, there's a very real possibility Haskins slides to 11 for the Bengals. I think there's a very real possibility Noah Fant falls into the mid-20s because people are really watching this film. And I've talked to some scouts in the last, last week or so that said, Joe, quite frankly, he doesn't like to block. He's a, he's a worse blocker coming out than Jimmy Graham was coming out of Miami. Everybody knows Jimmy Graham hates the block. Yep. So you have that. I think there's going to be some guys that are going to slip a little bit. There always and is. There one, always is. 
and, and it, I'll go to the question that we got, uh, that we both got, because I tagged you on the mock draft that I did today, where I had uh, Cleveland Farrell dropping to 27. And somebody was like, I don't think he's going to drop that far. There's no way he's one of the – well, the problem is this. No one thought Derwin James was going to drop to 17. Nope. No one thought uh, Dalvin Cook was going to go in the second round. No, nobody, there, there's, no, one, no one thinks the guys are going to drop. The reason why I think he, Cleveland you know, Farrell drops a little bit is because he is just an edge rusher. He can't drop back into coverage. Teams want guys that are multifaceted, more dynamic and athletic. He's just a football player. He's the type of guy that fits what Gunther wants to do. He is like a Charles Johnson who had a lot of success for Gunther in Cincinnati as a, as a rush end. He's the type of guy that would fit. Would he, he should be there for anywhere between 15 and 32. That's the, that's the spot that Farrell's going to fall into. That's just what it is. A lot of the scouts know it. A lot of executives know it. Agents and players know it. That's why I have certain spots. The guys are just sitting there like, man, like, I'm cool. I'm not going to be drafted in the first 15 picks. I know I'm not. Guys have a general idea where they're going to go. There are some guys that, that have no idea, and they get picked a lot higher than what they want, which has everybody go, whoa, hold on for a minute. I think the Raiders are in a position right now that at four, if you take it, a Williams and uh, Oliver or a Bosa, if he's there, you come back in the mid-20s, and I'm fully on board with the running back at 24. You've got to take the running back before the Eagles. The Eagles are going to yep. try to jump you. <laughs> I agree. If, they, if you don't, you, you're, you're, you're not going to get the running back you want. You get your running back that you want with my man from Alabama, who the more I watch his tape, and I watched a lot of Alabama games this year because they're always on TV. But the more you watch his tape, you see the little things. I'm not talking about. I'm not looking for explosive runs. I'm looking at blitz pickup. I'm looking at being able to catch the ball at the backfield mm-hmm. to chip and, and scrape and come out and catch passes. Um, I'm looking at running routes that are, that's going to move somebody over so it frees up a receiver or the tight end coming across. The little things that he does win ball games. I think he fits Gruden's offense. I think he's he's a type of guy the Raiders would like to have again a foundation piece. And then you come back at at that twenty seven, and you can go a variety of directions. I've spoken openly on the last podcast, and I've told you this, told anybody this. I think if there's two tight ends taken uh, before twenty seven, you take Smith from Alabama at twenty seven. If there's still some available, you kind of have some flexibility. Um, hell, you could even move back a little bit, probably with with a team like a um, like the Rams, we probably want to move up and get another guy that could play center. Um, the kid from A and M in particular. Um, you move back a few spots to still get the guy that you want. But I think at that spot it's kind of open. But I think the first two picks, you're definitely going to see a guy that's an impact defensive player if they don't move back. An impact defensive player at four, which I think they only move back a few spots to still get an impact defensive player. An impact running back. And then another impact player on either side of the ball. I think that's kind of the direction it kind of looks. You kind of you're, you're covering your ass and covering all ground, so to speak. But I'm not buying into. Well, this guy's rising all of a sudden. Lonnie jo- Lonnie Johnson Jr. is rising up boards, and it's a week. No, the board's set. Right. You're saying that to generate buzz for your TV show. You're saying that to generate buzz for your podcast or whatever article you're going to write. It's, it's not the truth. Let's just call a spade a spade. The NFL team's boards are set, and there are certain guys that 
have moved up already, and there are certain guys that have fell back. But the board just said at this point, there's no reason for any other misconception to be put out there. No. No, not, not, not at all. And again, I mean, Bucky Brooks talking about Lonnie Johnson Jr. And hey, Lonnie Johnson, I've seen him play. I know that he can play, but I just don't think he's that dude. You know, I don't think he's that dude uh, that you're going to go and grab in the first round. I think if you grab him in the first round, like he's suggesting, I think it's a reach. And, you know, I, I have a, you know, a bunch of guys that I'd like to see the Raiders uh, take a look at. I'm sure that they have them on their board at some spot. Uh, you know, obviously, Quentin Williams is who I'd like to see at number four, but we'll see how that all shakes out. At 24, you know, if you go in and pull the, the trigger on Josh Jacobs, I would have no problem. I mean, you mentioned this dude and, and who he could be, and look, he, he can be explosive. You know, I mean, he does all the little things as well. Like you said, uh, blitz pickup, you know, he's, he's a good blocker. He can run the routes. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, this dude is very Alvin Kamara-like, again, and he doesn't have a lot of tread on his tire, which doesn't happen with running backs from Alabama. It just doesn't. And I'm not saying you got to go get a, a, a running back there. If, if Cleveland Farrell is available at 24, and, you know, I, I feel like that might be, you know, a little bit of a stretch, but for every reason that you mentioned, he could be available. You know, he really could be. Uh, there's going to be a run on quarterbacks there's going to be a run i mean hell did anyone think marcus davenport was going to be traded up by or for the saints you know last year going to actually trade up as much as they did to go and get marcus davenport from utsa hell no nobody thought that is the reason why the green bay packers have two picks in the first round this year because new orleans wanted that guy and that's the one that you mentioned like oh whoa someone's going to reach up and jump in that was marcus davenport last year you know uh yep. what's the running back that uh, went to seattle last year that was another one that was like what the hell oh, no 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 that guy, um, Penny. Penny. He was. He was honestly, and you go back and go go pull up tweets, whatever. He was my favorite running back. I think at the end of the day, he's going to be the most productive running back from that class when it's all said and done. I'm that high on him. I've watched that dude since high school when he was playing uh, out in. Uh, uh, he played. I want to say it was South Hills or near West Covina. He was in that same league. He played against my nephew, so I watched him in high school. Got covering UNLV. I got a chance to watch him at San Diego State. But, but, again, did I think he was a first-round guy? No. no. I thought he was a second-round guy. So when Seattle took him, I was kind of like, ooh. But keep in mind, teams actually called Seattle after the, the first round and were trying to trade for Penny because teams, a lot of teams really liked him. So, I mean, it's all, it's all it takes is one team to fall in love with somebody. Exactly. That's exactly. all it takes. Yep. No, you're right. You're right. So, again, I mean, there's so many different situations. You know, uh, I, I think if uh, at 27, if he's still there, I'd like to see Byron Murphy off the board. I would love to see them grab Byron Murphy, a uh, defensive back out of Washington. I think he's a hell of a player. I know he doesn't have a whole lot of starting experience, but what he did do is pick off four passes in 2018, break up 13 passes in 2018, and go up and make yep. tackles, go up and stick people. And you you, you uh, pair him with uh, Garyon Conley on one side, that'd be the best defensive back duo that the Raiders have had in years. I mean, years. I'll go back all the way to Charles Woodson and Eric Allen. That would be the last time that Damn. they had a really, really good... I mean, really, if you go back and look, who was the best two defensive backs that they've had since then? Remember Namdi and, and D'Angelo Hall were supposed to be the end-all, be-all? Well, D'Angelo Hall didn't hold up his end of the bargain. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can get a real deal, really damn good pair if you go... Garyon Conley and Byron Murphy. I think that would be a great combination in the defensive backfield. If you got your guys that can rush from the from the gut, if you get some uh, you know some edge rushers, that'd be great. My ideal draft, my ideal first round would be straight up. It'd be defense, uh, but I'd go Williams at four, uh, Farrell at twenty four, and Murphy at twenty seven. And I'd be man, I'd be walking around holding my stones like, yeah, I'm the man. I'm the man right here, like Mystical used to say back in the day. That's what I'd do. I'd walk around just holding my stones like, yeah, I just did that. That was me. That yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Just go ahead and move out the way when I walk by because I'm the dude. That's what I would do. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, me. Okay, I'm going to tell you why 
They need to drop an offensive guy with one of the first-round picks. When we come back, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come right back with more Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo, on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and myself, Joe Arrigo. Before we took the quick break, I told you, I told everybody, I'm going to tell you guys why I think the Raiders are going to take an offensive player with one of their first-round picks and why it's important that they do so. Now, everybody wants to talk about Derek Carr, right? Everybody wants, is he going to be traded? Gruden doesn't like him. Let me point something out to you. Something different. I think the Raiders are taking away any excuse that anybody could have for Derek Carr to not be successful. Agreed. You went out and got one of the you went out and got one of the top receivers. You went out and got the top receiver available in free agency. You went out and you brought in a couple more receivers as well. You went out and got Crowell. You may have Lynch come back. You gotta go get a tight end in the draft. So there could be Irv Smith, there could be Noah Font, or hey, the Raiders trade back to let's say 11 to Cincinnati and they take Hodgson, the tight end from Iowa. At the end of the day, the Raiders need to draft Jacobs because now you got a running back to match the firepower outside with your receivers. Right. The Raiders are doing everything they can to take away any excuses that people may want to give Derek Carr for not being successful. If he isn't successful next year, they can't say, well, you didn't have weapons. Right. You didn't have an offensive line. You didn't have a running game. You didn't have one of the top receivers in the game, unless somebody gets hurt. People want to say, well, Carr, they need to trade him because he didn't have a good year last year. But look at the last quarter of the season, he played well. Really, since they traded Cooper, he played really well. Oh, well, he, he, he's hurt too much. He's hurt because the offensive line sucked. It was brutal. Yep. Other than the, the ankle injury in the, the final week of the season a couple of years ago. But he played the following year with a broken back. Last year, he was dinged up, up and down because the line was brutal. I think now the Raiders are in a position and Gruden's in a position to not make excuses for him. And fans need to look at it like that, or I would hope they would look at it like that versus he just sucks, we need to trade him. Because the last time I checked, and I hate the we part as fans, that's one of my pet peeves. The Raiders aren't cutting you a check. You're not making decisions for them. If you're not employed by them, 
There is no we. You can root for them. You can be a part of the nation, but there is no we. You are a fan, period. So if John Gruden, Mark Davis, Mark Bedane, Mike Mayock, the Tom Delaney, Danny Vantrelli, whomever else decides we're going to get rid of this guy, that's their decision. And you, you're kind of stuck. You can be pissed off about it. You can ride with them. You can collide with them, whatever. At the end of the day, you need to sit back and say, look, let me see what they got planned because they obviously have a plan in place. Beyond what people that don't cover them on a daily basis think, beyond what general media thinks or general fans that like to take shots at Raider Nation or the Raiders themselves, they have a plan in place. And you have to really, and I hate using the trust the process, but you really do in this case because for the first time it seems like there is a tangible plan in place for the Raiders to have long-term success. I agree. I, I agree 100% with that. And, and uh, you know, honestly, like you mentioned, they're not going to allow there to be any excuses for Derek Carr. They're going to get weapons. You know, I, I told you my ideal first round as far as defense goes, but I know with saying that, that there's definitely going to be some offensive guys dra- drafted. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they definitely go and get like a Josh Jacobs to do exactly what you mentioned. Uh, I just said what my my ideal would be. But again, uh, the more weapons, the better. Uh, I went through the whole roster, and even though the Raiders have A.B. and even though they have Tyrell Williams, I mean, I, looking at the roster, there's not still a lot of weapons there. You know, they do need to go get a tight end. They do need to address another position. I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, I would not be surprised if they go and make a play for Hollywood Brown if he starts to slip. Just because he yep. could be he could be dynamic, he could take the top off the defense. And then all of a sudden, you can't, you can't uh, cheat over and, and double A-B because, well, you got a guy that can get behind you quick, fast, and in a hurry. So I think that they're going to definitely address both sides of the ball in this draft. And, again, it's going to go back to what I said early in the podcast. It's foundational players. That's what they're looking for, foundational guys that they could build this team on stone and not on sand. And that is a process, and it is not going to take uh, just one draft. It's not going to be overnight success, but you'll be able to see it. I think Derek Carr is the guy. I honestly do believe Derek Carr is the guy moving forward. And I think if they do get the right pieces in place and they did bring in Trent Brown to help protect on that offensive line as well, gave him a boatload of money. He could play the right. He could play the left. He can kick inside and do – I mean, he can do what he wants to do. He's very, very versatile and he's very, very big. So if that's what they're going to do, I wouldn't be surprised to see an offensive lineman drafted either. I mean, I just really wouldn't. There's so many things that they need to address and so many pieces that they need to to put in place for this team to be successful. It's going to be something that is going going to be fun to watch them build but again do not be upset when it's not all defense being drafted I mean we all know that the defense is a really weak link but look the team is at a lack of talent they need talent across the board it's not just one particular spot it's across the absolute whole board I think they address enough on the defensive side of the ball there's still a safety in the corner spot that is needed I don't think they need an inside linebacker they need to get a young guy to develop but perfect is the guy that's going to be their starter I think they need another D lineman you know, but you got to add depth. Offensively, I think they need another receiver. They need another tight end. I think they may need two tight ends, to be honest with you. I can see them taking two tight ends in this draft. Taking, let's say, Irv Smith at 24, 27, and then come back in like the fifth or the sixth round and take a Caleb Wilson from UCLA, a different type of tight end. Like, I could definitely see them doubling up that position. Maybe late in the draft, going and getting a couple wide receivers, not guys early in the draft. Because there's going to be some guys that are going to be impactful wide receivers in the draft. Then he can get them late. One of the reasons why I think guys are going to slip, like Montez Sweat, he's going to slip a little bit, allegedly, according to reports, if you want to believe him, because of his heart condition. But you got Simmons that's going to slide. 
there's a few other people that, that are going to be available, and this is a deep defensive line draft. Yeah, it is. Even edge, even edge rushers, you can get one in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round that in most years will probably be a second, third, fourth round talent. So this is a deep draft in terms of defensive linemen and edge rushers, which fits the Raiders' need. It's also a draft that I think is pretty deep. I think you got three tight ends that are the clear cream of the crop. There's a, I think there's a drop-off, but in terms of the amount of tight ends, there's a bunch of tight ends that are there. Hell, there's a developmental guy, the kid from Michigan State. He's 6'7", 246. I mean, the thing is, he doesn't have great functional strength, and he's not a 4'5 guy, 4'6 guy. Well, that's 6'7", 256. If you get him in the weight room, he becomes a matcher problem in the red zone. He becomes a better blocker. He doesn't need to have 4'5", 4'6 feet. He's 6'7". You don't teach 6'7 anywhere. They don't just grow on trees. Like You have to find a guy like that. That's a guy you could take in the seventh round and develop a little bit. There's plenty of success stories like that. And I want to stay on the tight end for a minute. I got a tweet, Q, the other day, and the guy was like, you know, I was listening to the podcast, and it sounds good, but I don't agree with you and your take on Smith because how Gruden traditionally uses his tight ends, they haven't been that important in the offense. And my first reply was, well, Cook was a leading receiver <laughs> right. last year. Yeah, You know, and he was like, well, that was out of necessity because there's nobody else. Okay, you can make that argument. But people think that Gruden is running the exact same offense he ran in 1999, 2000, hell, 2007. Gruden's offense has evolved. Right. He's, he, he's changed some things. He values that. Didn't he draft uh, Jeremy Stevens down to Tampa Bay? Yep. Like, he's made attempts to get tight ends and incorporate them in the offense. Sometimes they haven't panned out. So I, I think a tight end is very important to Gruden's offense going forward because if you get a tight end that could do it all, that's a guy that's a three-down player, not just a, a, a guy you can flex out. You know, and then when you need, a, when you need a, a yard or two, he's on the sideline watching the play because he can't block. Well, I'll tell you right now, Irv Smith actually might be the best fit in John Gruden's offense. I mean, I, I like him anyway, but he might be the best fit. And he's not a great blocker. He can block. He's not a great blocker, but the fact that he can get down the field and he's fast, he is dynamic. I mean, he's one of those guys that is, uh, you know, he, he's like a wide receiver in a, in a tight end's body. I mean, he could really, he could make some things happen, you know, and, and go up and make a lot of plays in the in the red zone. And, yeah, I mean, he already mentioned when Jared Cook walked and he, he signed with New Orleans, he said that's a huge hole. That's a huge hole. We need to fill that. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to he's definitely gonna be looking to, to add somebody in that tight end room, and it's going to be interested who they, interesting who they find to, to put there. But, yeah, there's definitely a need for a big-time tight end. There's a need for another wide receiver. There's a need for a real deal of running back that could be their own guy. A lot of people have been getting on me because I mentioned Josh Jacobs. I've done a bunch of different mock drafts on a bunch of different networks and all kind of stuff. It's been a lot of fun. But Josh Jacobs was one of the guys that I continue to go back to and say, you know what, this is a dude that I think – one, you can move on, feel comfortable with moving on from Marshawn Lynch. You have Chris Warren coming off of IR. You got Crowell that they just signed to the one-year deal. You got Jalen Richard that, you know, he could be a guy that catches some passes out the backfield like he did last season. He was the second leading receiver on the team. I mean, you have some different options, and you could have a guy in Alvin, or not Alvin Kamara, but in Josh Jacobs that could do a little bit of everything and do it really well and be your guy, be your running back for years to come. Not a guy that you're trying to cherry pick from another team, but a guy that you have, again, Going back to something that people are going to get tired of hearing. 
foundational pieces. That's exactly what it is. They're trying to move away from just going out and cherry picking from other teams and signing guys with big money for big money. They're trying to build a foundation with talented dudes of their own and develop them and and, and make this team last for the longevity, not just a one year. Oh, let me go grab this guy right now. Boom, boom. That's something that Antonio Brown said he wants to be a part of. He wants to try to help build that foundation. So that's that's something that, that Raider Nation has to realize. And so there's so many different directions, man. There's so many different directions that they can go. I mean, really, with all the deep scouting and all the deep, uh, you know, like studying that Mayock's done, the scouts did before they were sent home, Gruden's been doing, all these guys, I almost feel like there's almost no way you can you can screw this up. You know what I mean? There's too much talent, like yeah. you mentioned. There's way too much talent, especially defensively in this draft, where you're going to get a dude. One guy that hasn't been mentioned very much that I can see the Raiders grabbing maybe in the second round because I think that's where he's going to go, Jalen Ferguson out of La Tech. That's a guy that I think everyone needs to keep their eye on because he could be a dog, and he's 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 got a few issues here and there. But, hell, if you got Vontez Burford on your team, you could have a Jalen Ferguson. He could be an absolute dog and somebody that everyone needs to watch out for. I believe he had 18 sacks last year. Uh, I don't know if he had 18 because I thought Josh Allen led led the SEC with 17. But a lot taken in the SEC. Um, I don't know yeah. how many he had. I got to look that up. I don't I want, know how many he had, but yeah. I know he was a dog. He's a guy that is, can get to the quarterback. There, there's, there's been some issues whether or not he's athletic enough. Uh, three, four teams are staying away from him because they don't feel he is a guy that could stand up and rush the quarterback. He's a guy that's got to keep his hand in the ground, um, which is turning some teams off with four, three teams. He fits the schemes with their schemes. I like him. Second round, yeah. And look at the polite kid from Florida. He's going to slide to the third round, maybe even the fourth round. If you can get his head on straight, if you if you can get him with a good support system on film, the guy is a top twenty talent. You know, he may not test great. He may have a, a problem smoking the weed, as Stephen A. Smith says. But you you have that type of, of talent that. His burst off the ball when the snap from a from a rush backer spot is crazy good. He's the type of guy that could get to the quarterback. So I can see him third, fourth round, polite if he's available. If you want to take that chance, no, on a guy like that, no, no, the, you don't, no, no. Now, but Ferguson me, Ferguson had seventeen and a half sacks by the way. So yeah, you were uh, okay. you were almost you were just about dead on. Look at me personally, and this is just me, and I'm willing to do this in this draft because again, you want foundation pieces. You want guys that are going to be available and you think that are going to be the type of guy that can truly make an impact like long-term. With that last pick in the first round, and this year I'm, I'm looking for a, an end, I'm going to take Simmons from Mississippi State. I know he has a torn ACL, tore it working out. You basically redshirt him this year. You still have him for four years because you have that fifth-year option. He's a top-five talent. You, you get him. Now, now, now you got action, boss. You put him on that line. Let's say you do draft Williams and you have Hurst, and then you take a Simmons that next year, not in 2020 in Vegas, he's your, one of your ends. You could, you could put him outside, and then you, have, you, get a, you take a Farrell or you take uh, a Ferguson. Your D-line is lit. You have a type of D-line that's going to create havoc for a long period of time, and they're all young. Yeah, I agree. You still have P.J. Hall. Yep. That would be a guy that, for me, I'd take a flyer on because he fits 
what Mayock and Gruden like in football players. Yeah, no, he does. He, he absolutely does. And he, I know he had some off-the-field issues, but that was in high school defending his sister. And uh, everybody at Mississippi State says he's been an A1 guy. His grades are perfect. I mean, he's been a model citizen at the school. So I ain't worried about that. I still think I kind of lean Jalen Ferguson because I think he'd be available at 35. And I think it's almost like a steal. You know what I mean? Like, you can get a dude that, like you mentioned, had 17 and a half sacks. Uh, last year had 14 sacks his uh, sophomore season. I mean, this dude is a sack machine. In his career at Law Tech, he had 45 sacks. I'll take that. I would absolutely take that. That would be a dude that if he dropped into the second round, I would, man, I would scream from the mountaintop, go ahead and get that dude. And then you're really cooking with some grease. If you get Williams at four and you get maybe Jacobs at 24, I don't know what you do at 27, whatever you really want to do at 27. Maybe you go get Irv Smith and then you you double down with uh, Jalen Ferguson and, at 35. Again, you're cooking with grease, and, and man, oh man, it's it's not it's not no old rusty grease. You know what I mean? It ain't that that stale stuff that you could taste. That's that fresh stuff. I'd be uh, I'd be super fired up about that. Yeah, I, I like Jeffrey Simmons. He's the type of guy to me that new age defensive player, mm-hmm. but plays old school. He's just a guy to me that there's nothing about him that I dislike, other than the fact that he did have the issue. But again, it was defending his sister. And for those of you that don't know, um, he was defending his sister, and he punched a female. And it came out later during the, the process, and it was to the point to where Mississippi State was considering revoking a scholarship. There were some people that were calling for them to revoke the scholarship, and they didn't. And he ended up being a, almost a straight-A student, never had any problems off the field, a model citizen. No, he, um, he's a top five talent. I would feel more comfortable taking him if the Raiders didn't get a guy like Williams. Say they went with like a, a Josh Allen or or a, or an edge, uh, a, a true edge at a at number four overall because he's more of a defensive tackle. So I'd feel better taking him at the at twenty seven uh, from the D tackle position if they didn't get Williams. If they did get Williams, I wouldn't see the need for him, and that's when I'd really focus my attention on uh, Jalen Ferguson. I agree, and and that is a very valid point. I will say this though. If they trade back and take, let's say, again, they, they trade back with, let's say, Buffalo. Because mm-hmm. Buffalo wants to jump. Let's say Ed Oliver is there, but Buffalo, who loves him supposedly, wants to move up. And they're at nine. They trade up and they gain. They, right there is where they take Ed Oliver. The Raiders move back to nine, pick up a one next year and a three this year. And they turn around and at nine take Sweat, who is an edge guy. Yeah. You could come back at twenty seven. Let's hypothetically take Simmons. Right, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that, and that would and that would make a lot more sense. That would make a lot more sense. Or even you know, if a guy like Devin White happens to slip, and they say, okay, we'll take Devin White at number nine, which is probably more reasonable for him to go at number nine or ten or maybe even eleven than four, but. You know, it's it's one of those possibilities. But, yeah, I would feel more comfortable if they said, okay, hey, this is who we got it for. Okay, now, uh, yeah, Jeffrey Simmons, we'll go get him because, well, he has that fifth-year option, and, you know, I, we know he's going to redshirt this year, but it's okay. I'd, I'd totally be on board with that. That'd be just fine. Let me ask you this, Cute. I want to ask this to Raider Nation as well. And and please tweet us, uh, at Joe Arrigo, at your boy Q. Uh, email us at Raiders Podcast on SBNation at gmail.com. Um, at your boy Q254, don't forget that. At, you got put oh, that at, two. Yeah, at your boy, you forgot, forgot the 254. My question is this, and I'm going to ask you, Q, because you're going to answer it. Do you trust Mike Mayock and John Gruden right now running the Raiders? Absolutely, 100%. Absolutely, Why? absolutely. Uh, because I think that they are in it for the right reasons, 
And I know everybody wants to win. I get that. Everybody wants to win. That they, they don't. Nobody t- takes a job. Nobody goes out there and gets on the gridiron to lose games. But they want, and John Gruden in particular, I believe, and I could be foolish. Maybe, maybe I'm just seeing things through silver and black glasses. And and if so, someone please call me out on it. I think John Gruden knows what the Raiders really mean. You know what I mean? The Raiders mean something more to him yeah. than just a coaching, a head coaching job. There's certain jobs that he would have came out of retirement after 10 years for, and the Raiders were one of them, and they are near and dear to his heart. And I believe, truly in my heart, and I know a lot of things that John Gruden says you could take and just say whatever, he's just talking. I truly believe that he wants to see this team back where it belongs, back to to be the greatness of the Raiders, something that everybody grew up wanting to be a Raider. Everyone who's in the NFL at some point, most of them at least, at some point either wanted to be a Raider or grew up, with their parents wanting to be a Raider or something. I mean, it's just there is a mystique about the team, and he wants to bring that back. Yes, he has a big ego and wants to say, I did that, but he also knows it's near and dear to his heart. He doesn't want to turn or let Mark Davis down. I I don't care what anyone says. Well, he got a lot of money. Of course he's going to go do it. It's not even about the money, I don't believe. Money's always great, but I think it's more about the accomplishment of getting the Raiders back to being the Raiders, the team that, that he envisioned the team that Al Davis envisioned when they hired John Gruden the first time. I mean, it's just, I believe it's more personal. Mike Mayock, I know he wants to be a GM. He's getting a GM opportunity. And I think because of his relationship with Gruden makes this more personal for him than just if he had gone to the Redskins, like he had been rumored a couple years ago, he had an opportunity to go there and he didn't go take that job. I believe this makes it personal because he is a, a guy that has a really good relationship with John Gruden, and he could feel like this guy, along with me, could build this thing and, and turn it around and make it happen. And then not only does he have stripes and pins on the, you know, uh, skins on the wall, but he, you know, he has a sense of accomplishment as well. So I believe that they're in it for more than it's just being a job. It's more personal to him. I agree with they don't want to let Mark Davis down. I agree wholeheartedly that Gruden has more of a vested interest. He has the right mentality to know what a Raider is, and he appreciates the history and the mystique of the Raiders probably more than any coach in the NFL, maybe in all of sports. I trust him because I really believe that there's a plan in place that they are executing. I think hiring Mayock was a genius move by Gruden. Because you have, again, a guy that understands he's a football guy. Reggie McKenzie was, too. Don't get that twisted. Played a long time in the NFL, had a lot of success. Him and his brother, Raleigh, who's still with the Raiders as we do the show. But I really think that it just is different with them. I do think, so far, in the limited time that Mayock's been GM, and even the year in change that with John being the, the de facto president of football operations, I tend to think that they're in a better position today than what they were two years ago, coming off that, that, that season where everything went right for them. Del Rio rolled the dice across the board all the time. He showed big stones, and just everything happened in the right way. I also think that right now, in order for the Raiders to turn the corner and not be the Cleveland Browns, because if you look at it, other than that one year, the Raiders and Browns' record is quite similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The Raiders and Gruden and Mayock need to, and they did, they had a splash offseason so far, but this draft and next draft is going to tell you what the next 10, 15 years is going to be like. 
No doubt. No, no doubt. That's why I call it the most important draft in the history of the Raiders. There's not, there has not been one that's more important. And again, in this draft, dog, you can't go get Jamarcus Russell when Calvin Johnson is there. You can't get Fabian Washington when Aaron Rodgers is there. You can't get Robert Gallery when Larry Fitzgerald is there. You can't, you know what I'm saying? Like so on and so forth. I mean, you get it. You know what I mean? You absolutely get it. You cannot miss these cats that are there that are going to be those foundational pieces. And, and, and guys like that, I mean, look, not only when they grabbed Jamarcus Russell did Calvin Johnson get by him, Joe Thomas got to buy him as well. Those are two Hall of Famers right there, and they ended up with a guy Adrian who Adrian Peterson, too. Yeah, Adrian Peterson, too. I mean, yeah, just that draft alone, they had all kind of guys that just got right past them that are going to all end up with a bust in Canton, Ohio one day, and they ended up with a dude who couldn't stay off the lean. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, like this can't, Literally. This, yeah, this cannot happen. It can't. You can't have misses like that. Again, it goes back to the very beginning of the podcast. Kick all the scouts out. Kick all the cameras out. Kick all the guys out that may be talking to guys that are, are, are trying to put it out and be first on everything and have all the inside information. Look, that's not this time. It's not time for that. It is time to handle business and get this team back to where it needs to be and get it, get things going the right way. And the way to do that is to be 100% focused and not have anybody around you that you just are a little bit not sure of. If you have to look at a guy's side eye, you got to put him out. Simple as that. If you don't yeah. know, if you, man, you've never ever hit me and said, hey Q, uh, I got some information for you. I think I could trust Q. No, you've always hit me and been like, hey, this is what's going on, or this is what I'm hearing. All right, yeah. cool. Because no matter what, without you saying so, that's between me and you, and I've never gone around and said, oh, well, hey, I'm hearing that, not, hey, man, whatever you tell me goes between me and you until you say, all right, go ahead and run with it. And, and, if, and if you don't say that, then I ain't going to run with it. You've never had to look at me side-eye and wonder that. If they have to look at one guy in that building with a little side-eye and question it, that guy's got to go. Real talk. And I think at the end of the day, that's what you see them doing. And that's why I like the pairing of Gruden and Mayock. And I'm just going to almost beg fans to just sit back and watch what they have in store. Watch what they have in store. Because I think by the time this draft is done, fans will be like, I see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is what we've been waiting for. It may not be the type of draft that's going to have Mel Kuyper or Daniel Jeremiah, Goo Goo Gaga, like, oh, my God. There are going to be some things that they're going to question, I think. There's going to be a move or two that they're going to question. But I also think when it's all said and done, they're going to be like, you know what, this is why they made that move, and I like what they did right there. And I'm going to tell you what that move is, what I think the move is. I touched on it earlier in the show. Rather we take this quick break, listen to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network, powered by SB Nation. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland, chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. 
and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Welcome back to Q&A with your boy Q and Joe Arrigo on the Silver and Black Pride podcast network powered by SP Nation. I kind of teased it. What I think the Raiders are going to do is going to scratch some heads. I think the Raiders are going to pass on Josh Allen if he's there at four. I don't think they're in love with him. I think they are unsure whether or not he's a great scheme fit for him. And it wouldn't surprise me if they pass on him, deal back a few spots, and take another guy like a Sweat, like a White if he's available, maybe a Devin Bush, one of those types of guys, and add, add in some more picks like Mayock wants to do. That's going to leave people scratching their head because there's some people that think Josh Allen could have been the number one pick in this draft um, if the Cardinals weren't hell-bent on drafting Tyler Murray. There's people that think that he's the next Khalil Mack, and I, I, I don't see it. I know I saw a lot of production from him at Kentucky. He did have 17 sacks in the SEC, and that's impressive. But what you said just a second ago about scheme fit with what Paul Gunther wants to do, I don't know if he's that. And that's why I've been hell-bent on not picking him either. And I, I like him as a player. I like him as a prospect. But again, I think the most important thing is what you touched on. Does he fit with what they're trying to do? You can't put a square into a round a hole. You just can't. It's not going to fit. And so I don't know if he's a scheme fit. And yes, he's he's a heck of a player. And he might end up being really, really good. But I'm just like the Raiders. I'm not in love with him. When I made my wish list at four a long time ago, I started with Quentin Williams. I picked Devin White, the linebacker, second. And then I picked... Uh, then I picked Josh Allen if you're, if you're going to stay there. And a lot of people said, but edge is the most important thing. You got to have a pass rusher. You can't get a linebacker. You got to get a pass rusher. I know, but I just don't know if he fits with the, what they want to do. That's what, so, that's what I've been trying to say for the longest, that I'm not sure if he's a fit for them. Not every guy is going to be perfect for every single team. That's why going back to what we said earlier about you go get a guy with a lot of talent with a, a you know that's a dog that's a character or a, 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 a changer of the culture uh, go get that guy as long as you know what you're going to do with them as long as you know how to use him if you just get a guy and think well i'll figure it out later that could be a problem that's what you do in, in pickup basketball or you know what i mean that's what <laughs> that's what you do you go throw five guards out there on the floor and see what happens that's fine but not in not in football man this is a game where you have to have all your ducks in a row and know exactly how you're going to use this dude so that's why I'm not in love with Josh Allen either. So what you're saying, if they were to pass on Josh Allen, a lot of folks, tons of folks would scratch their head and scream to the the top of the mountain, why in the world would you let that guy go? He did this. He did that. He's Khalil Mack. He's going to be the next guy. I'm not just sure. I'm not too sure of that. So, yeah, I could see that being the move that a lot of people scratch their head on, and I would have no problem with it. That would be a move that I would be staring at the draft and staring at the stage when it happens, and I wouldn't be upset. Do you think there's going to be – let me rephrase that. I think there's going to be more offensive players drafted early for the Raiders than defensive players. Mm, that's very possible. I mean, it's very possible because, again, they need talent on both sides of the ball. So, I, I mean, if it happens, it happens. Like I said, a lot of people will get mad at Josh Jacobs at 24. That'll be another thing that people get upset about. Guarantee they get upset. If they take Josh Jacobs at 24, they'll be upset. I won't be, <laughs> but they will be. If they take Irv Smith at 27, a lot of people will be upset. I won't be. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get it. They Because they need talent. That's the thing. It's not like they're they're just one edge rusher away from winning a championship. It's not that. It, it's just not. 
You know, I mean, when Charles Woodson went to the Packers, they were a big time safety away from being a, a, a top notch defense, and and then they went and got a, a what they what they have Reggie White then or who they who they get? Well, no, 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 no. When he went to the Packers, he went there as a corner. Yeah, and he had only he, Tampa Bay offered him to come in as a free safety. Gruden wanted him as a free safety, and he was like, "No, I'm not playing free safety." And he ended up going to Green Bay, but they ended up. Um, they didn't have Reggie White. Reggie White was already gone. Was it Peppers? Uh, they, who did they bring in as the edge rusher? They brought in they, they brought in Peppers uh, after they won the Super Bowl. Okay, because uh, Pepper, Peppers doesn't have a Super Bowl. They really didn't have it. Their, their edge rusher was Clay Matthews, and that was that team. But but Woodson was once he bought in was a culture changer. Right. You yep. know, and that's the thing when you're bringing in a veteran, he has to adjust to with how you do things or how you want things. With the rookie, you show them how you want it. Right. That's why I think if they deal back, I think it's a defensive player. If, if, if Quinn and Williams is there at four, that's who they take. If it's Bosa is there at four, that's who they take. Even Ed Oliver, if he's there, that that's I think that's a conversation they have. If not, they deal back, and I can see them dealing back to maybe drop Ed Oliver at like seven, and or six, or even eight, somewhere around there. Yeah. Then turn around, take Jacobs to twenty four. And by dealing back, they would pick up a third-round pick, then take Smith at that next spot, and then potentially at the, at the, in the second round, getting A.J. Brown if he's available. Excuse me. Go get another, def- go get another offensive weapon that will help Derek Carr grow and become the type of quarterback they want him and need him to be. Uh, and then from there, going defensive heavy the rest of the draft. It would piss a lot of people off. Yeah, it would. I know. But at the end of the day, you still have the ability to go get guys in this trap and manipulate the drop board. Yep. That, I, I just true. don't think I, – I, I, I just don't – I wouldn't be surprised, and that's today, and it could change in, in you know, six, five, six days from now. I just think that it wouldn't surprise me that they take more offense, uh, more offensive guys early than they did defensive guys. Because again, this is a deeper defensive draft versus offensive draft, other than receiver. I heard Daniel Jeremiah say, matter of fact, on a conference call that he did for just a couple of days. Matter of fact, just just yesterday, just on Thursday, he did a, a conference call and he said, in this draft, there's not a lot of difference between pick number fifty and pick number 20 when it comes to defensive players. That's how deep it is for defensive guys. There's not a lot of difference between pick 50 and pick 20. You're still going to get a really, really talented dude, uh, even, at, at, like I said, at pick 50, as you're going to get at, at pick 20. I heard that NFL teams feel there are 18 legitimate, surefire stars in this draft. Guys, impact guys, early in this draft, there's 18. And after that, there's a bunch of guys that it just depends on who you like more. Right. Between 19 and 20 and 75 and 90. So if you look at it that way, you, you can manipulate it a little bit more. That's why I think you're going to see some teams on the back end trying to move up and get into the top 18 range. Like there's going to be teams that have a cache of picks that are going to try to move up from the back end. And you're going to have some teams like New Orleans that got desperate last year because they thought, they thought Marcus Davenport was going to be taken by somebody else and then 
do a first-round pick and we'll give you a one this year and a one next year to move up to your spot and take. And Green Bay jumped at it. Of course they did. I would have too. Yeah. And then Green Bay, Green Bay, then conversely, I think they got a three in that as well because they parlayed their pick, which was New Orleans pick, I think in a third or a fourth to move back up to pick, I think, 18 or 16 to take Jair Alexander. Right. So, I mean, they manipulated that as well, you know, really well. I think you're going to see some teams do that. I, that's what I said. I think the Raiders move back. They may even move back twice to accumulate some more picks and then move back up and get a guy that they want. Look at how would you feel? They're just going to throw something out there. Raiders, let's say, deal back to eight and then deal back again to 10 or 11, pick up a couple threes and a one next year and a four and a five, okay? And they're sitting there at 11, and their first-round pick is TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa. That'd be a good pickup. That'd absolutely be a good pickup. And, you know, again, you, you mentioned picking up a three or picking up a couple threes. They're going to get a three in this year's draft. I know a lot of people thought I was crazy when I said that they, they need to do something to make sure that they have a third-round pick. Uh, they're going to have a third-round pick. They're going to do what it takes. I mean, May- Mayock, you mentioned, uh, wants to have as many picks as possible. He's going to trade back a-, a-, a couple times. Like you said, I don't know when he's going to start wheeling and dealing, but I'm just about guaranteed on day two they're going to be picking in round number two and they'll be picking in round number three. I agree. And I tend to think the Raiders will walk out of this draft in the first two days. They currently have four picks. They'll walk out with six. Okay. That okay. Friday, that, that Thursday, Friday, at least at least six picks in those two days. That's very possible. That is, I mean, again, I, I said that they're at eight picks right now. I think that they'll end the draft with, you know, 12, 12, 13, maybe even 15 uh, picks when it's all said and done. I do think they're going to do some wheeling and dealing. And again, every player is not going to be a star. That's the thing. Everyone wants a star. Teams aren't made up of 11 stars on each side of the ball. They're made up of Hell like no. a star, maybe two stars, and then a bunch of players, a bunch of guys that are football players that know their role and go out and do their job. You know what I mean? How many Super Bowls have the Patriots won, and they don't have a bunch of stars? No team has a bunch of stars. bunch of star teams no. usually don't win unless you're in basketball. But still, it's just one of those things. It's not going to happen in football. It just doesn't happen. Another reason why I think the Raiders are going to have a younger team is because of their schedule this year. <laughs> Brutal. It is. Seven of their eight row games start at 10 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Yep. They go to London. They have the most travel miles. It is the toughest schedule on paper. Yep. Now, look, I'm going to catch a lot of heat for saying what I'm about to say, and I'll explain myself if you feel I need to, Q. The schedule finds a way of working itself out. If you would have told... Uh, let's say Green Bay Packers fans a year ago that you'd have Aaron Rodgers starting the majority of the season, but they're going to win six games with their schedule. They'll tell you you're crazy. And that Chicago would win the division. They'll tell you you're crazy. If you were told that Kansas city was going to win the division and Mahomes was going to throw for 50 touchdown passes. <laughs> right. And not, you know, and the league MVP people thought you were nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So I think the schedule has a way of working itself out. I don't get worried about the schedule too much. The travel sucks. And the NFL admitted, the guy who does the schedule said, you know what, if I could do have a redo, I would do that. Because that, that is really, it's really messed up. And I think also in a way, people could say it's, this is a big F you to the city of Oakland with the way they have the schedule laid out. 
But I will say this, and this is where I'm going to catch some heat. I don't believe the NFL is out to get the Raiders. Al's not running the team anymore. Where, yes, at that point, Pete Rozelle, I think Paul Tagliou definitely had a vendetta against Mr. Davis and was out to get him. Now, Mark Davis is in the good graces of Roger Goodell. The other owners, he's sitting at the big boy table. The NFL's not out to get the Raiders. They didn't purposely give the Raiders a crap schedule because they're the Raiders. I'm sorry. Guess what? Tampa Bay plays five straight road games, too. Yeah. You know, so don't miss me with, they're out to get the Raiders. It's the NFL against the Raiders again. You sound like conspiracy theory, dude. That is just living in the past. Move forward. Understand that Mark Davis is on four NFL committees. He's a guy that is respected. They're not going to screw Mark because he owns the Raiders. So I'm sorry. This isn't the NFL's out to get Mark Davis. It's just the way the schedule was this year. And you deal with it. You're a professional. You move on from it. Hell, look at it this way. For seven out of your eight road games, Raider Nation, you get to party and chill out for the rest of the day after 2 o'clock. You're not stuck waiting until 1 or 4 o'clock. You get to chill. That's not a bad day. You can barbecue and chill out. I'm sorry. I, I kind of think that's kind of a good thing. I like the 10 o'clock start times, personally. I hate them. I hate them, and I hate them for the Raiders. And the only reason I hate them is because they're traditionally not good. They're not good at that time. You know what I mean? They're just the 10 o'clock West Coast starts. They're just not good at, and they don't go out there and perform, and and that's part on them, and a lot of it has to do with the travel as well. But, uh, you know, I, I, I agree. I don't think that it's a conspiracy theory, and I, I've had a lot of people tell me that that's the you know the league out to get them. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I know Mark Davis has done a lot of things and, and actually has kind of uh, – you know, like you say, he's in the good graces with the NFL again, and he's done things, and, and they've asked him to do things, and he's kind of said, all right, you know, I'll do this for the NFL because the NFL, you know, wants us to, and, and they're they're all playing nice with each other. So, no, I, I agree. It's not that day and age. I still think every once in a while, actually a lot of while, I still think the uh, uh, referees will give uh, the Raiders a, a bad, like, reputation call. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes they'll hit them with the reputation call just because they're used to the Raiders being – uh, the most penalized team in the league, but whatever. I mean, it is what it is. It's football, so I, I could deal with that. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. The schedule stinks. It's very hard, but the thing about it is we already knew who the opponents were before the schedule came out. Everyone knew who the opponents yep. were. It's just the fact we didn't know how it was going to look on paper. We didn't know how they were going to start, how that they were going to go on you know, a big stretch without having any home games, how they were going to have all these 10 a.m. starts. And, obviously, every year they're the most traveled team. Every year they're the furthest west. I mean, it's just it's just reality. I mean, they're the furthest team out west, so they're gonna have I thought the most. Seattle was. I, thought, I don't think I thought so. Seattle was the furthest team. I out think west. it's. I think it's Oakland. I, I I'm not. Uh, I'm not 110 percent sure, but I'm damn near 100 percent sure that the the Raiders are the furthest team out west. So that usually that their team is always the one that that has the most travel. And when you're going to London, of course, I mean you're you're definitely gonna have a ton of travel. But um, you know, again, it is what it is. If you get through the schedule, you take it. Four games at a time. I, that's how I look at the schedule. I always look at it. Four, yep. four games at a time, you try to win every quarter. It's like, a, it's like a basketball game. You try to win every quarter. If you can, you have a good record at the end of the season. If you don't, well, then you won't have a good record at the end of the season. So we'll just see what they do. If they get through this schedule and they're, they're looking pretty good. I said it the other day, the Raiders could go 4-12 and in 2019, and they can go 8-8 eight and eight in 2019. I, I, I feel good with saying anywhere from 4-12 and to 8-8 eight and eight is where this team could be, depending on what they do. Mike McCarthy told me this: the season is broken up into quarters, and that's how you you want to win one more game 
then you lose each quarter. Yep. So if you go, you win three games a quarter, you're winning 12 games. Yep. And if you do that, if you win three games a quarter twice and win two, you're winning 10 games and you're in the playoffs. And that's kind of the goal to have. Yep. And that's coming from a Super Bowl winning head coach. And that's sat there and we had a conversation about it. Look, the Raiders have to go to London because they're relocating. That's the reason why they're going to London. It has nothing to do with anything to do with the NFL having any type of issue or being spiteful towards the city of Oakland. It's a part of the relocation agreement. Until your stadium is done and you relocate into your new stadium, during that process, you will play a game out of your city. Period. One home game a year. The Raiders are going to London. We knew that was going to happen. You know, whatever. You get a bye week, I believe, right after that yep. or right before it. Right after. So, I mean, so you go to London and then you come back and you get to chill for a week. And then the next week, I guarantee one of those weeks, they're going to be training and having practice in or near the city they're going to be playing in. If it's down south or on the east coast. Green Bay. I'm going to that game. October 20th. October 20th. Yep. yep. That's the game I'm going to. That's circled. I'm making the pilgrimage to Lambeau. I'm going to go cover that game. That's be my first time going to Lambeau to watch a game in Lambeau. I've been nice. to Lambeau, took the tour. If you get a chance to go there, Q, I'm going to tell you, I think I told you this privately, you walk in there, you really, and I thought people were, were full of crap, but you walk in there, you do feel the ghosts of the legends of the, of the NFL that's played there. It's just a different mystique. If you get a chance to do the Lambeau tour, I think it's like 40 bucks, and you get, I mean, you go all over, you go into the visitor locker room, on the field, press box, take pictures, everything. It's phenomenal. You have to do it. So for me, I'm looking forward to that. But I think at the end of the day, the Raiders fans using the schedule as a cop-out to them already having a bad season, you got to change your mentality. Like, you're not. if you think you're going to be the team that's going to go win 12 or 13 games this year, like, you're delusional. I'll tell you right now, you're delusional. Whatever you're smoking, whatever you're shooting into your veins, holler at me and let me get some of that because I want to feel good like that. Like, honestly, eight wins is a very successful season for the Raiders this year. Yep. I think that's uh, in place. That'd be like winning 12 games for a team that won six or seven games a year before. Four. Like, yeah. You know I'm saying? So you double your win total. That's huge. Yep. That, that is exactly what you want to do. Hell, even if they win seven games, that's a big jump. That's a great year with all things considered. Now, that means you go into Vegas with some momentum. Yep. The stadium will be done. The and it's looking really good right now, by the way. And then you have, you know, the, the stadium coming, you're going in there, the draft is gonna be there. It's gonna be the new hub for Raider Nation. That's exactly what you want, that goodwill, that vibe. It, but if you think you're gonna win in nine, ten games, good luck. Like again, I want what you're smoking, I want what you're drinking. Yeah, it's I mean, just, it's I'm just, not saying, it's I'm not just, saying to be mean. I'm just being honest. No, it's just not realistic right now. It's just not. It's not a realistic. I mean, anyone. Matter of fact, I told this story the other day, but I had a guy after the schedule came out on my radio show on ESPN Central Texas. I was going through the Cowboys schedule, and I said, look, by what I'm seeing on paper, and this is just on paper, and it's only April 18th. That was what day it was, April 18th. I said, Great day, which is my birthday. I'm just put that out there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was your birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I said that I think the Cowboys are going to go 10-6 and six and win the NFC East. That's what I said. And somebody, no joke, Joe, no joke, hit us up on our little text line that we have, 
and cussed me out. Told me to go back to California. I need to worry about the, the piss poor state of California and the Raiders and F me this and F me that. And said that the Cowboys were going to go in his mind. And he told me he's a University of Texas football player. So he knows the Cowboys are going to go 16-0, and 15-1 at the very worst. Now you want to talk about unrealistic. That was unrealistic. Like, what in the hell is wrong with you? But he cussed me up and down the, the side of the street, on well, at least on our text line. And I'm like, dog, there's something wrong with, like, you got some issue, like, anger issue. I don't know what it is. It ain't with me. You're just <laughs> angry about something. I gave you the NFC East, and you're cussing me out saying this team is going to go 16-0 or 15-1. Now, that's insane. But it goes to your point of saying don't. Don't just sit here and think you're going to, oh, you're going to go win 12 games a year after going 4-12. and 12. I mean, there's worse the first stories all the time. I just don't believe that this is one of them. Look at the Browns as the benchmark. They had no wins, and they won, what, seven games last year? Yep, yep. Probably should have been eight, but they got a – they they, they screwed them. They, been nine. They screwed themselves really? a couple times in overtime, and the you know referees didn't do them no favors either. Right. So, but look at the Browns as as the example. That is a team that went out there, won some ball games, made some big splashes. I mean, they traded for Odell Beckham. You know, made some really good moves, and that's that's a team now that's going to compete for a division title because they drafted smart. They stay true to their board. They didn't care what people thought. They took Denzel Ward, I believe, at four last year. You know, that was the guy. Okay, this is what we're doing. And we're, we're drafting football guys. I think you're seeing the same type of due diligence and patience and the blueprint with Mike Mayock and John Gruden. And that's what I'm saying. Look at the Browns as your benchmark. They get the seven wins. That's perfect. You still have two first-round picks next year. And, hell, make it happen. Hopefully the Bears – suck and win two games, have the number one overall pick, and that goes to the Raiders, and they're drafting first overall, and they're drafting 13th or 14th, whatever it is, next year. And you, and you have, you know, you're able to get whomever it is you want. You could cash that number one pick for a team that wants a quarterback, and Tua comes out. You could trade, get three more first-round picks or whatever so for some desperate team that wants a quarterback and wants to take Tua. And then the following year, you could go take Lawrence from Clemson. I'm just Throwing it out there and put it out in the universe. LeVar Ball speaking it into existence. Oh, Jesus. But, <laughs> who's a joke, by the way. But I'm just saying, understand that seven wins for Raiders for the Raiders next year is not a bad year it's at all. It's a good season. I think, most, I think most people would really enjoy that. And, and, and be competitive in, if you're not, you're not, in the other nine games. Be competitive in, be competitive them in six of them, five of them. There's going to be some games you're going to get blown out. If you're in that and you win seven games, you're competitive in half of the other ones, you're, you're showing marked improvement, and I think you're in a position to really take a huge step in 2020. That's the key. That's the biggest key is that you have to show that this team is getting better. I mean, it, it is. Ultimately, you would like to see them win six, seven, eight games, and, and then you know that, hey, for a matter of fact, they're getting better. But you have to be able to see the improvement. There can't be any – Thursday night games in San Francisco like we saw in 2018. There can't be any of those. Those were That was an absolute no-show. That uh, Seattle game in London, that was an absolute no-show. Those are the games you cannot have. You cannot have no-shows. You have to get out there, compete, and show that this team is a legit team in this NFL league. That's what you have to show. And again, if they were to come away with a 7-9 record, no, it's not going to get you in the playoffs. I get that. But this is not a playoff team yet, in my opinion. It just isn't. Nope. I don't think that they're ready to compete with the Chiefs. That's something I've said multiple times on multiple podcasts. I don't think they're ready to compete with the Chiefs yet, but that is the goal. 
I think the Chiefs will end up sweeping them this year, and I think that they'll end up uh, splitting with the rest of the division. I mean, I really do. But that's just me. And we can see what happens. And who knows? Maybe they do catch lightning in the bottle, and they, they really go on a run. But we'll see. Again, if they get to seven wins, if they get to nine or eight wins, I'm good. I'm good with that because, like you mentioned, doubling your, your wins from the year before and showing growth and, and getting people comfortable with what you're supposed to be doing, that's the steps that you have to take. Rome was not built overnight, and neither is this Raiders team. And maybe, hey, maybe the Bears are a, a, a one-hit wonder. Maybe they're going to take a step back, like you mentioned, and then all of a sudden come back down to earth. Maybe Mitchell Trubisky really isn't that dude. Vic Fangio's in Denver now. Maybe he really was the grand wizard of the defense. You know what I mean? Like, maybe they won't be that good this year. And if not then boom, all of a sudden the Raiders are picking high uh, with Chicago's pick as well as their pick. So we'll see what happens. It's it's all, again, it's a process. There's a reason why Gruden has a long contract. There's a reason why a lot of the assistants have long con- contracts. And there's a reason why Mike Mayock has a long contract. But it doesn't mean that they can screw these things up and, and oh, well, we got other years to fall back on. You've got to continue to build. You've got to continue to grow. And you've got to get it right on Thursday in Nashville, Tennessee. Why did you guys say Grand Wizard, man? That just felt I know. Like I thought that when I said it. My mind. I know. My bad. I thought that when I said it, too. I was like, <laughs> damn, that probably wasn't the But I, it's one of those things where you don't correct it because then you don't, you know, then you don't acknowledge that you messed up. But since you brought it up, now everybody knows that I messed up. So, I mean, it's out there now. <laughs> you want to talk about in the universe, it's out there now. So, if we had just not said anything, maybe one or two people would have said, did he say Grand Wizard? But... Now that you said it and we're talking about it in great detail, yes, I said Grand Wizard and I screwed up. My bad. He was the he was the smart guy for the defense. He was the he was the dude. <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. I'm gonna take a timeout. <laughs> but all I thought about, bro, was bad boys, Will Smith Hell yeah. and Martin. Yeah, when they dressed up as the KKK guys yep. in the boat and they come out and start shooting and he gets shot in the ass. My, like my bad. <laughs> my we bad. Said that. But you know what? You know, it, the, the, what we're talking about goes in line with the email question we got from my guy Sean Siegel in Las Vegas. Sean is a diehard Raiders fan. Um, he, he, we're answering his question right now. And, um, we talked about the, the team taking the jump, and his email says, Hey, fellas, he loves the podcast. Uh, who do we think are the guys from the Raiders from last year's draft class that shows the most improvement from uh, year one to year two? Who's going to take that jump from year one to year two uh, and help the Raiders progress? You know, Honestly, Q, I'll, go, I'll take it from a couple. So I think Conley is continuing to get really, really comfortable playing corner at the NFL level, and I think he's a guy that can potentially be a lockdown corner. I talked to NFL evaluators when he was coming out of the draft, and they felt that he was the best corner in the draft at the time. They, they more so than Jenkins, um, who was Lattimore. a college teammate at Ohio State. Pardon me? Lattimore was his college teammate. Remember? Lattimore, that's who it was. Yeah. Lattimore, yes. Lattimore. More, more so than Lattimore, like there was NFL guys that thought that he was that guy. Now I will say, um, I want to see, um, I want to see Colton Miller take a jump. I think that needs to happen. It's not that I want to, or I'm like a big Colton Miller fan like you are. I'm a guy that that thinks that if you get the offensive line working right, Derek Carr is going to work right. right. I also want to, I also want to see Mohurst take that jump. Um, he had a really good year. He showed flashes. Him and Arden Key really need to take that next step in order for that defense to turn the corner. Key needs to get to the quarterback and finish 
versus just getting to the quarterback and making him maybe move his feet and then complete a quicker pass. Right. Yep. Yeah. And see, I'm I'm with you on that. And really, uh, Colton Miller, he obviously he has to get better. He just does because that's just just. I mean, he was drafted 15th overall. He's supposed to be protecting Carr's blind side. Who knows what's going to happen now that Trent Brown's there? Who knows if he kicks into the right side or kicks over to the right side? If uh, Brown goes to the right side, that's all up to Gruden and Mayock and and uh, Tom Cable, unfortunately, to figure out where they want to play these guys. That's on them. So I'm not even going to uh, look at Colton Miller because that's the obvious, like you mentioned. But uh, Mo Hurst, four sacks in his rookie year that's the same thing Khalil Mack had his rookie year so yeah he, he scratched the surface he showed what he could be but he has to be a lot better so I think that Mo Hurst is a guy that will take a step in 2019 I really do I think he's going to come back and and show uh you know what he's worth and, and show Raider fans who he really is even though a lot of Raider fans are already kind of on the hype train with him knowing that he has a lot more potential than even what he showed in 2018 and Arden Key is a guy that has to has to get better as well. He does. I mean, there's way too many times that he got to the quarterback. He had one sack, but there were so many times he was back there and just flailed his arms at him and wasn't able to get guys on the ground. So you mentioned it. You mentioned finish. That's the key word, man. He's got to be able to finish. But those two dudes are the ones that I'm really, really looking at to make another uh, uh, to make a step forward. And I'll even go further and say one more guy that's going to be a dark horse in my opinion, and that's Marcel Aitman, seventh round draft pick. Seventh round draft pick out of Oklahoma State. He only had 15 catches in 2018, had one touchdown for the Raiders in 2018. But I think he could be a guy that really could be a a weapon in the red zone, especially. Uh, Obviously, A.B. is going to get a ton of attention. Tyrell Williams will get a ton of attention. Whoever they bring in as a draft pick will get a, a ton of attention. But I think there's a spot. For Marcel Aitman, I think he can really find himself, like carve out a little niche for him. He's not going to ever be a big volume guy, I don't think, but I think he's a guy that could play in this league. And I think that he's a guy that needs to kind of go and just stay under A.B.'s uh, shoulder or under his wing the whole time. Just whatever A.B.'s doing, just go out and do the same thing. Just let him push you. You know what I mean? Just whatever he's doing, go and, and, and copy it. If he wants to be a dog, if he wants to be that dude, I think he can be. But it's all going to be up to him about that work ethic and, and learn the game like A.B. is willing to teach. And that, I think, will be a really, really big key for the Raiders moving forward. I would agree with that, but I think he needs to be with Tyrell Williams, Tyrell Williams, because they're similar in size. And he needs to learn to move like a big man, a big receiver in the NFL. He's a different skill set than A.B., as you know. I mean, but I agree he needs to take A.B.'s work ethic. It's that work ethic, yeah. It's the work ethic. Yeah, and and really ingratiate himself into that and really immerse himself in that. Um, But I was told from people that Mayock is not a big fan of Aitman, that um, that's one that I'm – I, I, he's a guy that could go either way. He could make the team and be an impact guy, or they could cut him because he's 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 a guy that that some of the people in the front office, um, namely Mike Mack, is are not exactly high on, uh, according to some people that I've talked to. But I can see I that. Would agree. I mean, I could totally see that. You know, what I mean, he was a seventh round draft pick. I could totally see them uh, moving on from him. But again, if he's going to be on the roster, he's going to have to improve a lot. Absolutely, and I think you know, there's guys that they that they kind of look at it in a different light. There's some guys that are that are on the team now that aren't going to be on the team because, quite frankly, they're just guys that are there right now. They're bodies. They're placeholders in camp until they get the rest of the guys who they want in there. And, and look, I think the Raiders are going to be highly active with undrafted rookie free agents this year. Guys that, like, that aren't, like, a Lexington Thomas, if he, the running back from UNLV, if, if Lex isn't drafted, he's a guy I think the Raiders will bring in because he can return kicks and punts. He's a guy that could be a third down back. He can be he's that elusive guy. Um, he's a guy that can come in and compete. Um, 
I think guys like that are the types of guys that I think the Raiders are going to go, go hard after. Maybe I mentioned it before, it was a late-round pick. He could go anywhere between four or undrafted. Keyshawn Nixon out of South Carolina. He's a corner, ran a 4-3, I think a 4-3-7 or a 4-3-9 at their pro day. Very good corner, very underrated. Did a lot of good things in the SEC the two years he played in it. Um, so there's a lot of guys that I think they're going to be really into as undrafted rookies, and I think they're going to be heavy in that game because, again, you look at the guys like Mayock. Mayock likes and they like grinders. Mayock was a, I think he was a 12th round pick when the NFL when the draft was still yep. 12 rounds. Yep. And you know he's a guy that had to work his ass off to get on the field and and, and in camp. Uh, he was a camp body. He knows he knows the the grind. And I think that's what you're, he's going to look for guys that want to embrace that grind. But at the end of the day, in order for the Raiders to get better, their roster has to get better. And that goes back to what we talked about earlier with the draft. It goes back to the talent evaluation and the guys that are pulling the trigger on the decisions, Mike Mayock and John Gruden, making the right decisions. And fans trusting the decisions that they're going to make the same way Mark Davis and the entire Raider organization trust what John and Mike are doing. So I, I hope that the fans understand that um, this is the – second phase of a four-phase build, so to speak. The first phase was last year where you bring in some of your guys and you kind of get your quarterback in tune with what you want to do. And then this is the phase. second phase where you bring in some studs, some guys that you can go out there that are going to be there for a long period of time and you want to build around and you bring in the foundation, be even more mm-hmm. foundation pieces than what you brought in. The third phase is getting the wins closest to competing, you know, being really competitive. And then the four faces going out there and just going out there and beating people's asses. And yeah. I think this is we're, we're right in the middle of that second phase. Yeah, no, you're right. Cause 2018 was a survey. You know, you go out and survey your land. That's what 2018 was. That's why we didn't see Chucky be Chucky. We saw more John Gruden. We didn't see as much Chucky because he was really surveying, taking notes, seeing who was who, what guy was a real player, what guy wasn't a real player, what this team really, really needed. So when they do this foundation, which they're doing right now, or they're trying to do coming up next week, starting next week with the draft, and obviously what they've done in free agency, they're able to know exactly who they have on the roster, what they have, what they need, and how what direction to go because they did all the surveying. They took all the notes. They did, you know what I mean? They did all that. They know that roster now. They know everyone who's in that building, what those guys are capable of doing. Now it's about, all right, let's go and get the the best guys available to build that foundation, and then we're going to build on top of that foundation and continue to go. I mean, it's just what it is. So uh, this thing should, when it's all said and done, if the plan goes the way that they want it to go, and there is a plan in place, if it goes that way, then this thing should be a well-oiled machine. And, you know, Raider Nation should be really happy for years to come. Now, again, Absolutely. You got to get it all right, though. You got to get, you know, you got to get it right, and you got to, you got to get the right pieces, and that's up to them, and that's why they get paid the big bucks, and we sit here and talk about it. Well, Q, you're going to the draft next week. What day are you leaving? I'm leaving Tuesday night. I'll be in uh, Nashville at 11 o'clock local time there, and uh, the first big media session is Wednesday morning at about 11 a.m., and I'll be all over it. Like, well, I'll just be all over it. It's gonna be awesome. Okay, so can we pencil in Monday night to do our big draft show? And we can uh, maybe bring in a couple guests, maybe do a mock draft um, for the first round, and then what we would like to see the Raiders do, and and kind of make that happen. Yeah, I think that should be. I think that should work. That should. Yeah, I mean, I, I got. I obviously got a lot of stuff to do to prepare for the trip, but yeah, I think that Monday night should work. Okay, so we're gonna pencil that in, folks. So that'll be uploaded late Monday night, Tuesday, so Q can listen to it on his 
his flight to uh, to Nashville. Um, that's it for this week. I, we definitely appreciate you guys listening. You got, we definitely appreciate you guys listening. Recording this on a Friday night queue, man. You must not have a life because you're recording this at 10 and 11 o'clock Central Standard Time. Doug, that's all I do. I mean, it's all I do is, is is work and grind and grind and work, and I'm not mad at that. You know what I mean? I'm not mad at that at all. If I told you everything I've done just today alone, you'd think, man, this dude's he, he's on he's on one, but it's all good. I got to get up in the morning and do some more work because uh, everyone's preparing for the Easter holiday on Sunday, so all I got to do is have all my stuff done by uh, by Saturday night. So, you know, it's, it's all good, man. It, you know, someone signs a check to, to have me uh, talk, so I'm good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I bet. That, <laughs> it's that's all <dumb>. good. <laughs> well, that's it for this week's Q&A. We appreciate you guys listening. Please tune in again to all the other shows that's on the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network powered by SB Nation. Uh, coming up this week, I believe Nick Hamilton and Scott Winter will have another show. Anaya and Kaylin will have a show, obviously Q&A. And there's another show we're going to be adding to the podcast network as well. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you again, Raider Nation. And uh, we'll talk to you next week, Draft Week, right here on Q&A.